podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. 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 Yo, what's going on, people? You're, of course, listening to this Nobbits podcast. As per usual, I give a shout-out to the previous episode, 279. Now, that escalated quickly. That was a pod discussing how we went from Prime Minister Liz Truss and Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng to new Prime Minister Rishi Sunak with a hint of, the, or shall I say, a, the, with the threat of Boris Johnson and also Penny Morden, she's not more not a threat, but Boris is. And how Kwasi Kwarteng got canned, how my man, what's his name, Jamie Hunt became the new chancellor, so on and so forth. So check that episode out for the background gist for today. Now today I'm gonna to be talking on a, well it is politics, but it's also economic core issue. So we're gonna be talking about that. I'm not gonna go into mad detail because the mad detail is boring and it's irrelevant to the audience. We're going to be talking austerity, right? We've been hearing a lot of chat from, initially from Jeremy Hunt, the new chancellor. He was reinstated as chancellor. As I'm recording this, this is Wednesday, the 26th, I believe is the 26th. Check the watch, it is. Um, Yesterday, the 25th, Rishi Sunak announced his cabinet. Some people stayed, quite a lot of people went. Um, There was a mixed bag of people. I'll probably get into detail on the weekend on that podcast. Do you get it? But Rishi and the Chancellor have been speaking about making difficult decisions. To me, this is very interesting wording because it signals it signals austerity, in my opinion, and in the opinion of others. So we're going to get on to what is austerity, why we think Rishi, as well as Jeremy Hunt, are signaling that. Is austerity bad? Should be worried? Should it be done? So on and so forth. Let's see if we could bang, the, bang that all out in the pod. Let's go. Hi, it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's late. What's going on, beautiful people? Hope you're enjoying your week. We have a new PM. Um, I watched Prime Minister Questions today. Keir Starmer, leader opposition versus Rishi Sunak, the third <laughs> Tory Prime Minister in the year. And it was, I can't lie. It was very, very entertaining. Very entertaining. Keir Starmer, I thought he was on fire. He was doing his thing. He had a lot of poignant questions for Rishi Sunak. And Rishi similarly was on fire. He was ready for those questions. I think he sweated them pretty well for the most part. And yeah, he was he was in he was in good form. It was a very, very far cry from Liz Truss, who just got bullied. And Boris Johnson, especially towards the end, it was just easy work for Keir Starmer. So Rishi versus Keir Starmer will be very interesting to watch over the next year or so, provided that Rishi does last, <laughs> which I think he will, because he's not as much of a clown as the previous two. Now, I say this to say this. I say that to say this. There was talks on what he's going to do to help people. Um, there's questions from both sides of the house. Um, also from SNP about, you know, the cost of living crisis and so on and so forth. Will Rishi uprate benefits in line with inflation? What's he going to do about rising costs of mortgages 
and rents and so on and so forth. All these very, very important questions, especially with the fiscal budget announcement, which was meant to come out on the 31st of October, being pushed back to November 17th. Rishi, to large applause, and it was a good answer. I was like, listen, I'm, I'm the only one that's been real. I've told you what type of time I'm on. I told you what we needed to do. I wasn't selling dreams like UK Starmer, like alluding to Liz Truss. And then we saw what happened. And Rishi did say in his speech yesterday, no, no, say yesterday, on Tuesday, that Liz Truss had the right, right philosophy, but she made mistakes. And he said, the reason why I'm here is partly to fix their mistakes. Speaking to, of course, the economic downturn that we're currently in. So we're in a we're in a bit of a pickle. And Rishi, and before Rishi, a week before Rishi, Chancellor Jeremy Hunt said that there's going to be difficult decisions going to have to be made, brother. And that signals austerity. First things first, what is austerity? The term austerity refers to a set of economic policies that a government implements in order to control public sector debt. Governments put austerity measures in place where their, when their public debt is so large that a risk of default or the inability to service or require payments on these obligations becomes a real possibility. In short, austerity helps bring financial health back to governments. That is off the Investopedia page, one of my favorites when it comes to definition times when it comes to economic terms. So austerity is where there's policies put in place by governments to help control the general debt level. The debt level in the UK is very high. So let's look at it right now, live on the air. UK public debt 2022. Let's have a look, see. Public sector net debt, excluding public sector banks, was 2.4 trillion at the end of August 22, and around 96.6% of gross domestic products, which was an increase of 1.9% compared to the previous year. So basically, our debt is almost the same as our production. Not very good, is it? Not very good, is it? Right? Cool. That is our debt. We got our debt. If we look back to, and I haven't done any notes in this, by the way, so this is just off the top of the top, off the top of the head, freestyle vibes. Even if we look back to COVID times when Rishi was the chancellor, Rishi borrowed a good 300 billion pounds to fund furlough, uh, BBLs, not the turkey thing, bounce back loans, uh, eat out to help out, um, just all these different schemes to keep people in jobs, keep people paid, keep businesses operating, keep people alive. So many different schemes that Rishi, Boris, the Conservatives were, were borrowing like crazy to keep our economy afloat because obviously there's no economic production. We're in a pandemic, right? And that created a bigger hole in the public sector. Then you get the big mess with Liz Truss saying, yo, we're gonna basically just, do you know what I mean? 
just remove £45 billion worth of tax receipts for tax cuts because we wanted to boost growth. But it was completely unfunded. And even when you look at, and I remember reading the FT article in terms of when um, Kwasi Kwarteng was looking at areas where he can trim the fat, like uh, get some money back by cutting public sector, there was literally hardly anywhere to cut. Because over the last 12 years, the Conservatives have made a lot of cuts. Austerity was a big thing under David Theresa May, and Theresa May eventually ended it, so on and so forth. That's austerity, right? Cutting public sector. So for those who might have listened to me over the years, I spoke on during the pandemic, my friends who work in hospitals, in um, at general practices, GPs, and they were showing me their PPE equipment where they would put their stickers put over the expiry dates because our PPE stock went down the drain because of austerity cuts. Nobody bothered to replenish it over the years because mm, we're really not going to have a pandemic, are we? Um, yes, we did. Those are some of the impacts of austerity. We've seen the impacts on the police department, schools, all over the place. Austerity is not good. It is not good. Why doesn't austerity work? Right? Because naturally you're thinking, but this nomics. If you've borrowed a lot of money and you're in debt, surely it makes sense to use the money you then get from whether it be your job, your business, your parents, whatever, to balance the books. You balance the books, you get your affairs in order, and then you move on. That would make sense, right? I'm sure you're all thinking, that this not makes perfect sense. Well, unfortunately, the economy doesn't work the same as your household. It doesn't. Like, everybody's got a balance sheet, right? And what is a balance sheet? A balance sheet is looking at comparing your assets to your liabilities. And in case you don't know, because loads of people have I've seen say this, it's not true. Cars are assets. If you can sell it as an asset, if you own it, you can sell it as an asset. Just because it depreciates in value doesn't mean it's not an asset. It just means it's a depreciating asset. If you, for example, like, a liability is debt, something that you owe. So a mortgage is a liability, but the house itself is the asset, right? A car loan is a liability. The actual car itself, once you have the rights to it, it becomes an asset. Do you see what I'm saying? Everybody has assets and liabilities. Individuals, households, businesses, governments. We all have assets. We all have liabilities. And we have different levels where some of us are much in the green, some of us in the red, some of us in the middle, whatever. Boom. Right? Now, why does austerity, in my opinion, doesn't make sense? So, there's a lot of debt in the economy, right? Households, there's a lot of household debt. There's a lot of business debt. There's also a lot of debt for the, the UK economy, right? And by the philosophy of austerity, it's all about balancing the books. We heard Rishi say that we're going to have to make certain cutbacks. We're going to have to make tough decisions, right? This is to balance the books, to balance the public books. Now think about this, because remember, we're talking about the economy. We're not talking about a household. So balancing the books for a household makes sense, right? So if I had loads of outstanding debt, it makes sense for me to use the money coming from a salary and my other endeavours to pay off um, whatever outstanding debt that I have. 
And that way it's good for my family, my household, myself, once the books are balanced. But it doesn't quite work like that when you're the government because you're looking after the economy, not an individual household. So you can't really impose this as a philosophy. And we've seen it not work with with the UK economy. We've seen it not work when the EU imposed it on Greece and places like and Portugal, Spain, Italy. Always, it doesn't work. And here's why. Remember I said about the assets and liabilities, right? People's balance sheets. So when people's balance sheets, yeah, is lopsided, right? So that means when people have a lot of liabilities, more liabilities and assets. So they have, basically people are over leveraged. They've got a lot of debt. If everybody in the economy is using the money that they have to pay down their debt, at the same time, naturally you'll think that makes sense. We're getting the debt level down. But at the same time, we are shrinking the economy. Why is that? Because we're not spending. So, if today, let me, have I bought anything today? Cool. I was about to buy something from, I was about to buy a sweatshirt. I decided against it, but I'm going to buy it actually. I was going to, it was, it was meant to be a tracksuit. I couldn't find the bottoms in my size. So I decided against it, but I'm probably going to buy it, right? So let's say I buy that sweatshirt. I also bought some Caribbean food today on Uber Eats, right? Those are two purchases. What does that mean? My money has gone to the Caribbean restaurant. That enables them to pay their staff, to purchase the materials needed to create more meals, which is putting money in the pocket of the people that they buy the rice from, the meat from, the vegetable from, the containers from, the cutlery, the tissue, the cling film, let alone the money going to the gas companies, the electric companies. And then think of the money gone to the wages of the staff who then get to pay their bills, who then get to go to Tesco, who then get to purchase. That's how that's how economies work. You want money circulating through the economy. You want to create demand. And once you create demand, you create output. And that increases gross domestic product, aka GDP. And that's how the economy moves. And it and the more you increase GDP, the less unemployment it is. Great stuff. Wonderful stuff, right? However, if that's shrinking, if there's not money circulating, output decreases. Why am I producing 1,000 goods and services? Why, why am I producing 1,000 units of a particular good or service if the demand for it has now gone down to 400? Doesn't make sense. Why do I need 10 members of staff to create that, to create 1,000 units? when I only need four, four members now to create 400 units. Less people employed. Bad for the economy. Less output, less demand, less employment. Not good. Not good for the economy. And we've seen this time and time and time and time again. And the worst thing about austerity is it's, it's never, okay, cool. We need to pattern up the public finances, right? Especially if you look at the financial crisis. It wasn't the mistakes of everyday civilians. 
it was the greed and bad decision making from the government, insurance companies and the banking sector. And because these industries were too big to fail, the governments had to bail them out with public money. And then had to pay. And now the public have to pay down this debt. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We didn't get no equity for the most part. So why are we be labelled with the bill? It don't make no damn sense. So again, in this time, yes, war in Ukraine, COVID, supply chain issues, deadless trust. Cool, we're in the mud. We can't keep always drawing for austerity. And I'll be on Rishi like white on rice if they try to run back this austerity thing again. We have to be more creative with how we go about tackling these issues without it coming at the cost of everyday people. Why does austerity come at the cost of everyday people? Well, when you're cutting public services, who uses public services more? Is tend to be the people at the lower end of the distribution, of the income distribution, the people who earn the least. If you're in the top five, one, ten percent, I don't know why I went that order, in the top 15, 10, 5, 1%, 0.1%, you tend not to be a massive user of the public services. Universal, universal income, universal credit, housing allowance. These type of things where you need to bang on the NHS heller. All these disability allow all these type of things isn't really the issue of people who are earning in the higher percentiles. So when you cut these public services, it damages the people who are the most vulnerable. Which doesn't make sense. Now, you people who've been listening to Dysonomics know me. You don't know I'm fair. You know I'm for the people. But just because I'm for the people doesn't mean I support all the policies of the Labour Party. Sorry to the people who need to hear this. Just because you say that you want to help people and you're a Labour Party does not mean you're right. It just means what you said, you want to help people. Right? This is not saying in a big-headed way. I have picked up a few books. I also have the ability to understand one plus one equals two basic incentive and just using my eyes. Taxing income high does not mean you're taxing the rich. Increasing income taxes just means you are taxing workers more. The people who are rich are rich because of assets. I'm pretty sure Jeff Bezos' salary is 88 bags. (laughs) <laughs> just a random example you could be on 100 bags and you're not wealthy what makes people wealthy is land loads of homes generating them 10% 5%, 8%, 12%, 15% year on year stocks and shares 
funds, jewelry, real estate. You cannot be thinking of people 100 million up and then say, yeah, I want to get start getting getting extra, some extra change out of these men because they've got extra change to spare in this tough time and then say you want to increase income tax. Doesn't make sense. And why does it make sense? Because you want to talk, and why is, why is it small to target wealth? Okay, cool. If somebody's 100 million up, right? 100 million up, billion up, whatever, right? On their, let's say on their billion pounds, of assets they probably get a return of 10% right so that's 10 million let's say they get 10 million 10 million 100 million whatever you want to say 5% 1% 10 million whatever insert percentage here let's say they get 10 or 20 million pounds off their assets in a the year they're not going to spend all 20 million in the economy they're not going to go, it's hard to spend 20 million. <laughs> they might spend a million or two or three. The rest of it, they're going to use to buy more assets to do the same thing, to get the same returns. So these people aren't even generating enough consumption with their money. Unless they're creating businesses, that's different because that's creating jobs and so on and so forth. Right? So you want to tap into that wealth, this excessive wealth, because it's not doing anything for the economy. It's not. So you want to be looking at ways to get at people. Everybody knows me, land value tax. That's what you want to be getting involved in. So if Rishi Sunak and them Instead of cutting public services that people need so desperately. I understand we, we can't spend, I'm not here saying be irresponsible and continuously to borrow money recklessly. No. I'm not sure if it's time for full-on expansionary policy yet. Maybe in a year or two, slowly and steadily, not fall out, full whack like, Liz trusted she's a bit nuts but if you're going to raise some money windfall tax and not the windfall tax you implemented Rishi after a U-turn after Labour been telling you to do it from January where you gave the gas companies a little get out jail card oh yeah this is the windfall tax but if you reinvest it you get it back you get a percentage back no a proper windfall tax Shell came out and said listen we're willing to pay the thing we're up Windfall tax is one. Start looking at actual wealth taxes, land value tax. Looking at the empty houses in London, especially from foreign, rich foreign nationals who are doing nothing for the UK economy. We saw how the, why the government was able to move when it was Putin's boys. So we know you man can seize assets if you want to. You get it. You know you might have the capacity. Let's see some creative legislation to stop people from overseas who don't give a f monkeys about our economy using houses as bank accounts 
and f- f- further perpetuating the hellacious rental markets here. That's the type of the creativity I would like to see. Maybe a social levy where you're giving, you're dropping money on people. I don't want to see s- severe cuts to public service because it's just it's just not going to help the people, especially in these dreadful times where we're seeing seventeen percent, fourteen percent food inflation. It's insane. And also, politicians stop being such politicians. Like, it's so irritating. And this is why I tell people I'm politically homeless because I know the pattern. From episode one of Dysonomics, from my writing, from 2016, I've been telling you people, their incentive is to get power and be in power. So everything they do is predicated around that. It's not primarily for the benefit of people. Yes, the benefit of people is important, but it's not the primary benefit. Point scoring will come before the benefits of the people. So all you're seeing is point scoring. Labour MPs complaining about expansionary expansionary fiscal policy when you wanted to do expansionary fiscal policy and then when Rishi and um, Jeremy are speaking of more contractionary fiscal policy you're criticising contractionary fiscal policy they literally criticise whatever you do. no work for the betterment of us because we're in a we're in the mud we are facing a severe recession. We're in a cost of living crisis. People's mortgages are going through the roof. We're no longer in a low interest rate world. We need cooperation. We need excellent governance and excellent policy. Not point scoring. It is jarring. These men are bozos. It's irritating. So yeah, oh sorry, I, I descended to that rant, but it's just jarring. It's jarring seeing the cap. Oh, the current economic is because of conservative. Bro, what would you have done during the fucking pandemic? Was Jeremy, people were, first of all, during the pandemic, you lot were saying these are Jeremy Corbyn's policies. After the pandemic, you're saying he ruined the economy. Make it make sense. What are you talking about? Fucking ridiculous. Sorry, people, but yeah. Rishi Sunak and co, don't you dare bring austerity. Don't you dare. Yeah, and that's it. That's it for this week's pod. People, let me know what you think. And yeah, I'm going to try to get a guest so we can evaluate the cabinet members in more detail. But yeah, until weekend, people, peace and blessings. Bow. Sports Social Podcast Network.